Welcome to Young Discourse, a podcast for kids by kids. Three young siblings talk about anything interesting under the sun. Be amused. Do you think it would be cooler to see the world if you're incredibly small or if you're super gigantic? Informed. Dust is actually very colorful. It's made up of things like skin cells, pollen, minerals, animal dander, stuff like that. And feel free to cringe. Out of the two octopi that it took to make those 56,000 eggs, mother and the father, only two come out. This is Young Discourse, happening right now. Hello everyone, it's Isaiah. I'm Alina. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about interesting things that we've learned this week, or recently. So Ben, would you like to start? Uh, sure. So something that I learned um, the past week is that dust is actually very colorful to smaller insects or organisms. Since dust is made up of things like skin cells, pollen, minerals, um, animal dander, stuff like that. Damn. And um, it's if you if you were to shrink yourself, um, dust would be uh, an incredible forest of color. So um, yeah, and that's all I have to say for now. <laughs> So all all that stuff is are different colors. Like it would yeah. look like. The only reason why it's gray to us is that um, all the color like sort of blends in. Because um, there's so many colors. Yeah. Like if there's too many colors, it yeah. becomes brown, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of like that. I'd like to see that one. That you know, I wish I could shrink myself and explore the corner of my room and find out how colorful it is. Do you think it would be cooler to see the world if you're incredibly small or if you're super gigantic? Um, Probably super gigantic, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, maybe super gigantic because then well, you could see everything that's happening. Actually, you know what? I mean, because just imagine like uh, like a, being in a forest or a rainforest where, where it's like where you're super small like a bug. Then every leaf, every blade of grass is huge. Yeah, that, every bead of water is like this. Yeah, that would thing. actually be crazy. Like a huge orb. But then, if you're huge, you could look at like Mount Fujiwara or something, or you like Mount Everest, and look yeah. at it from above and see all those. I mean, there's a reason we go up to these high viewpoints, viewpoints and look at it from above, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel like it would also be cool to like tower over the Sahara Desert or something, just see this vast expanse of, like, dunes. Right. Yeah, but I think that it's kind of nice to just have our size because if you're super small, there would just be vast expanses of the same thing. Like, let's say if you're on your kitchen floor, it's pretty much all the same stuff. But if you're super gigantic, then you wouldn't be able to make out the small details yeah. and and um, true beauty. So I think that our normal size is already great enough. But if you could, if you had the option to like pay a scientist to like shrink mm-hmm. you to that small size permanently, would you? Probably not permanently. But let's say they have like you have there's like a whole society of small people. Like in this one aquarium tank, and it's like a whole mega vi- village of people who are small. 
so it's basically like normal life except you're small. That would be cool, interesting. <laughs> mm, sure, why not? Actually. So Ate, what do you have? Okay, so there's this thing called the Pygmalion theory that was created by Robert Rosenthal and Lenore Jacobson, and the theory basically states that your expectations of someone can actually impact their performance.、Mm. So in 1968, they tested it on like this public elementary school, and At the beginning, they tested all the students and just picked a bunch of them at random and told the teachers that they have an, a quote-unquote unusual potential for intellectual growth. And so, after eight months,、mm. um, the students that were picked at random actually performed better on the on the last test than the students that were not picked. Really? Yeah. Why is it called? Wait, so wait, but how does that relate to what? Is, why is it called Pygmalion theorem? Um, I have no idea. I think it's a Greek myth. I might be mistaken,、oh. but something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminded me of like some weird Greek like theory or philosoph philosopher. So yeah. yeah. And they just randomly picked these students, and yeah, they just picked them, and like they performed better. I think. It kind of bothers me that your impression on the teacher actually affects your learning. Yeah, I guess like the way you look too could like severely like, or it can just like influence your grade maybe just because the teacher thinks that you're smart. Yeah. And then they give you extra help, or or, or they somehow、uh, I don't know. Give you harder <laughs> homework. I feel like there's a lot of psychological, like. Factors, factors that come into play when、um, a teacher is grading, like a paper, right? Yeah. Because I feel like if they're in a bad mood, I feel like somehow the grades would end up lower. Or if they just feel, or they just like the student more, they psych like, are they like psychologically, unconsciously give them a higher grade than everyone else just because like, yeah,、oh, them, this mistake is present, but yeah, they didn't really recognize it. Or I don't know. I just feel like、yeah. that's a big thing that has to. Maybe be fixed. And、um, isn't there also like a、um, an animal that's also like pygmy something pygmy hippopotamus? I wonder how、um, it's related to that. It's probably like I don't know. All right, pygmy hippopotamus. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if they're related in some way, or is it? It's just like a similarity、Name. in the language. Yeah. Okay, so what I chose for my interesting fact is that when an octopus is pregnant,、um, she carries eggs inside of her for about like four to five months, and when the temperature is just right, she actually produces about like fifty-six thousand eggs, individual octopi eggs. Fifty-six thousand. Yeah, fifty-six thousand. And how many of those like survive? Okay, wait. Let me give you the number after I tell you what she has to deal with with these fifty-six thousand eggs. So she basically she hatches them, or or she、um, expels the eggs from her body, and they basically float free. So what she has to do in order to keep them safe, she kind of takes every egg and stitches it into like some kind of like braid of eggs. So like a a super egg. <laughs> Yeah, it's it looks like a it looks like a a, a grapevine kind of.、Hmm. 
where there's a bunch of eggs that are all on on the same thing. So she has to do that for all fifty six thousand eggs, Damn. and then she lays it underneath like a rock that she hides under, and so she like kind of like hangs them on the walls. So there's like this huge. That's a committed of, mother. Dang. Yeah, it's a good thing she has eight arms for that. <laughs> yeah. So there's about 170 braids and 56,000 eggs. Damn. Um, and I wonder how they do that, like, without um, wasting so much time, like... Yeah, yeah, well, during the process, she's basically fully committed to making these help, helping these eggs survive. And she doesn't even have thumbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how she actually braids them together or where she even gets like the materials to put them together. So anyway, she puts them on top of this rock where she will hide under or underneath the rock and then she'll hide underneath that. And mm. basically the eggs will hang up from the ceiling and she'll watch them constantly. And she'll watch them for about like four to five months without sleeping, eating or like resting at all. She's wow. basically like killing herself that like she's constantly on guard without eating and i mean you know octopus octopuses usually like look red right yeah. uh, during this time like the mother becomes like this like deathly gray shriveled oh god thing that is underneath all her eggs dang that's so sad it really is yeah. sad and then once the eggs hatch and they're all free to go. She uses her last energy. I mean, she's barely alive. Like, her breaths are coming in in, like, these gasps of air. Or, or wait, are octopi? Do they breathe air? Water? I'm not sure. I don't know, actually. I'm pretty... I mean, they don't have gills, so I, I assume they breathe water? No, um, they... They... They take in the water from that little flap, like around their heads, and um, they have gills in there. I, I, I think, like the gills are hidden. I'm quite sure. Okay, so she spends her last moments blowing um, water onto onto the eggs, so that so that they all, you know, disperse and they get spread around, and all these little tiny little octopi are now in the ocean. 56 or I guess a lot of them will die I assume. yeah and like um most of them we know all of them will have a mother and apparently um what I've heard is that octopi uh, also occasionally eat their own um eat their own species for their own survival so it's actually sad that like all of those um octopi, like don't have a mother at, or like any other parent and they're just sent out into the world and they have an incredibly high likelihood of dying because they're so vulnerable like to predator predators and also like themselves yeah i mean there's just so much that wants to kill them in in the world and so basically out of all those 56,000 octopi um, the yield of grown adult oct healthy octopi that come out of it, they say scientists say on average the yield is stable. And by stable, that mean that they mean that out of 
the two octopi that it took to make those 56,000 eggs, the mother and the father, only two come out. Two? Yeah, just two uh, Just two out of those 56,000 usually survive. Damn. That's tragic. Yeah, it's actually a tragedy. Someone, Shakespeare should write something about that. Wait, are octopi endangered? How many species of octopi are endangered? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think so because people eat them a lot, right? Or do they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People eat octopus, so I don't. I, I wouldn't assume that they're endangered. But I guess somehow they survive with. Because I well, the yield is two, right? But I mean, the mother dies usually after she gives birth. So yeah, that's even less. So that's even yeah. less. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone is being uh, c- contemplating, thinking about <laughs> all those souls. I mean, it's kind of the same with humans, right? Mm. With all those sperm, and then like all of those sperm cells die just so that one can reach the egg. Well. But that one, it's actually a step further. It's like the egg are actually out in the ocean. What do you mean? I mean, the egg, the eggs are actually like, they've already been birthed. Yeah, they've I mean, been birthed, not, not, but they're not, they're still the same as a fetus because they're still in the egg, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's not like, whatever, like 55,998 fetuses die in the womb out I guess of so. 56,000 well I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of them though a lot of sperm though like maybe even more than 56,000 cause it's just one that reaches the egg right yeah um, did you have another one to share Ben uh, yeah so um, apparently um, most squids can actually fly. They do this by sucking up water and shooting it out like a water jet. And apparently this allows them to go nearly as fast as like a a boat or a car. <laughs> it's actually crazy. Dang. Wow. How fast is that? Like, I don't know. I'm, I think like 30, 32 MPH. But I, honestly, I forgot. But they can go pretty fast. I think the reason why um, they do this is to like to cross migration routes faster or to avoid pred- predators and stuff like that. Wow, nice. So they just expel water out of um, their mouths. Yeah. And they just pretty much. I wish I could do that. Just spit <laughs> water and then like jump. <laughs> <laughs> But like, what if you ram into a wall or something? You, you, like, you, you you have no control over where you go. What do go. you mean? I have, I'm sure I could learn control if I just do it enough. Okay. Yeah. Like you, you could do it in a pool. Yeah. Okay, but let's say, what what if you um, what if you like accidentally make um point it too straight up? I guess you could. Um, <laughs> cut it. Point it to straight, straight up. up. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
You mean like if I, uh, if I if he points it too straight up, <laughs> then I guess I would die. Maybe because my head would just hit the the ground. No, I mean but I would never do that. No, I mean like do it like this. Well, then I. Okay, so you mean point it straight down? Yes. Yeah. So if I had my mouth <laughs> facing the earth and I spit the water so that I could jump super high, then I just go. Up. What? <laughs> then, I ju- then, then I just go vertically up, right? <laughs> but I, I think. Yeah, I but think but I then might have to. Um, you're gonna like die if if you fall back down. Yeah, that's the thing. I might have to. You wear have a to parachute. maneuver in midair. I have to wear a parachute at all times. Well, how high are you gonna go? I don't know. How high do the squid go? I don't know, but not very high, so that. Um, seagulls or other birds will be able to um, uh, kill them or prey on them, I guess. Mm. Okay, so um, yeah, th- that's all I have. Okay, so I guess um, that'll wrap up today's episode of Young Discourse. Thank you guys all for listening, and um, if you want to write to us to uh, maybe suggest a topic, we're always down to talk about whatever. Um, you can email at us at youngdiscourse at gmail.com. Um, but discourse is spelled D-I-S-K-O-R-S. And our Twitter account, Discourse with the same spelling, D-I-S-K-O-R-S. Thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.